James 1, we'll we'll begin reading in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, let's get to work. As I mentioned earlier, today is, is Palm Sunday, you know, the, the traditional day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We read an account of it this morning in our, our Bible reading. Um, I don't intend to preach a Palm Sunday message, uh, and I'm not sure that I could given the text that we have here in James. Um, but I can't let the day go by without acknowledging its significance in redemptive history. As I pointed out, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and they hailed him as Lord and King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a messianic statement. They recognize this man as Redeemer. And then, just a few days later, they're shouting, crucify him. And you know the story. They, they beat him. They scoffed at him. They mocked him. They spat on him. They pulled his beard out put a crown of thorns on him, they stretched him wide and they hung him high until he died. And all the while he's hanging there, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's our Lord. Even hanging on a cross, suffering and bleeding, struggling to breathe, with him casting lots for his garments at his feet, With them mocking him and saying, if you really are the son of God, why don't you call angels to take you off of this cross? Even while he is hanging there, he is working to save souls from hell. You, You remember the thief that hung next to him. And he said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, surely today you will be with me in paradise. Church, there is coming a day. We read about that this morning. When Jesus will return. And he won't be riding on a donkey. He won't be riding on some beast of burden. He will not come in in humility. He will come in glory. He won't be coming to suffer and to die. He will be coming to rule and to reign. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. There will not be one word of dissension raised because it can't be raised. Amen. Amen. 
There won't be one cry for crucifixion raised because they won't be able to do it. They will bow under the weight and awesome majesty of his glory. Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords. We should exalt his name forever. Amen. Amen. What a glorious truth and a blessed hope we have. Now let me shift gears and get to James. Our text this morning, we're working through James in his letter to the Christians who are abroad. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, if you've ever read through James, it's, it's real short, it's just about five chapters. You read through James, you, you come across a few phrases that seem to stand out from the rest. Um, and this, this is nearly true of every book in the Bible. There, there are usually one or two, maybe more, passages or phrases that just, they get a lot of traction in things like daily devotionals. They get a lot of traction in, uh, you know, scripture of the day kind of things. They get a lot of traction in pulpits, and they get a lot of traction as memory verses. That, that's because they stand, these, these certain individual verses, these individual passages, they, they stand as such great, strong pillars of truth that they carry the weight of other truths on their shoulders. I mean, there are just some statements in the scriptures that seem so strong in their truth that they stand as support, like pillars of support and buttresses of support for all the other things that, that stand around them, all the other truths that stand around them in Scripture. So much so that if you were to take your hammer and knock one of these pillars out, you knock one of these verses out, that it's not just that verse that falls. There's a whole lot of things that falls with it comes crashing down. I mean, so there's like pillars that stand and they hold up the rest of what's around it. And, and, and James, you know, he's not lacking in those, those great, eternal, solid, foundational truths. From the beginning of the letter of James, we talked about a few weeks ago, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, count it all joy. To the end of the letter of James, in chapter 5, verse 16, when he tells us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James is not lacking in, in these kinds of pillars of truth. One such verse, we read it this morning, is verse 22. James 1, 22, where he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many times have you heard that? You've been in church at all, for any length of time at all, you've heard that verse. It is a pillar of the Christian life. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. That is robust and strong. It's got a wide base to it. And there supports a whole host of other truths about Christian living. But as strong a verse as 22 is, as strong and, and resilient of a statement as it is, you cannot get to verse 22 without passing first through verse 21. So we're supposed to be doers of the word, verse 22. Well, what is this word? Verse 21 tells us that it is the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And the thing is, we can't get to verse 21 without first passing through verse 18. So be doers of the word, verse 22. That's the same word that's able to save your souls, verse 21. The same word that we read very first 
This morning, verse 18, that brought you forth. The word that brought you forth. So what James is doing is, and if, if you're not careful, you'll miss it. James is giving us a short but very robust theology of salvation, sanctification, and preservation. Salvation meaning that, that we are made right before God. We stand before Him blameless because of the finished work of Christ. Sanctification meaning that we are conformed over time to the likeness of Christ. Preservation, meaning that we keep our faith and we are kept by our faith through struggles, through trials, temptations, ups and downs. We, we persevere by the word of truth. Amen. So the progression goes like this. We're bought, brought forth by the word, verse 18, salvation, new birth. The word is saving us, verse 21, righteous living, that's sanctification, ongoing uh, purification and mortification, putting to death of sin. And we're kept by faith in the doing of the word, verse 22, putting word-based, word-wrought, word-rooted faith into action. So I know I'm probably hitting a dead horse, but I, I don't want you to miss it. New birth, salvation. Righteous living, sanctification. Active living faith, preservation. We might say perseverance. And all of these three things are absolutely essential in the Christian life. They're essential pieces of the Christian life. And James gives us a theology of this Christian life, and he connects every single one of these elements to the essential nature of the Word of God in each of them. The Word that saves. The Word that cleanses. The Word that keeps. Amen. Amen. You see the connection. I want to look first, and probably only today, at the essential nature of the Word in the new birth. James 1.18 Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. <clears throat> Brought forth by the word of truth. Now, um, when James says that we are brought forth, he's not talking about creation. He's not talking about when you were first born. This is something different. He's talking about new birth, the new creation being born again, recreated in the image of Christ. We know this, that he is talking about the new birth and not some kind of natural birth because he says, when he says that we are brought forth, he tells us how we are brought forth. James says that it happens by the word of truth. Being brought forth happens by the word of truth. So this bringing forth isn't just first creation, isn't just natural birth, it's something else. In fact, we, in Psalms, the, uh, David, he describes what natural birth is. In Psalms 51.5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So we're born, naturally born, into sin and iniquity. We are reborn in, into righteousness by the word of truth. Amen. The word of truth, church, is the gospel. 
So James uses the same phrase to uh, the, the word of truth that Paul uses in his letter to the church at Coloss, Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Uh, Paul says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this, talking about the hope that's laid up in heaven, you have heard before in the word of truth. So you've heard of the hope that's laid up in heaven in the word of truth. And then Paul tells us what the word of truth is. The gospel. Amen. Right? Verse 6. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. And look what the word of truth the gospel is doing. So it comes to you as indeed it has come to the whole world. Look what it's doing. It says it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. In other words, it's bringing forth, as in what James says. Amen. Bearing fruit, increasing, it's bringing forth, being done in the word of truth. Same kind of thing that we see in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 13, where Paul says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we're talking about the new birth here, and the new birth is all over that passage in Ephesians. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit, that's new birth. The gospel, the good news of your salvation, Paul says that is the word of truth. So the sealing, that sealing of the Holy Spirit, it comes forth by the word of truth that is heard by the, and believed by the believer, the word of truth being the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same sort of thing being taught in, in 1 Peter. And I, I know I'm throwing a bunch of text at you this morning, but that's okay because your plate will be full. And um, you know that I'm, I'm not just making this stuff up as I go. Um, it doesn't matter what I say anyway. I want to give you Bible, not opinions. Amen. What does the Bible say? 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 23, Peter says, Since you have been born again. Okay, right there, that's probably the most explicit, direct reference to the new birth that we've, that we've read yet. And I don't know how much more explicit or clear you can get. Since you have been born again, and here's the manner in which you're born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. So born again through the Word of God. The Word of God being the seed that springs up into new life, the one uh, who hears and believes. Verse 24, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Okay, right there, Peter is quoting Isaiah. Isaiah 40, I think, is what he's quoting. And then he explains what he's getting at. He says, and this word, so that's the same word that the Lord of the Lord that remains forever that he just quoted from Isaiah. That's the uh, unshakable, unchanging word of God that does not, it stays forever. The word that is the living, abiding word through which we are born again, the previous verse. That word is the good news that was preached to you. So this word that, that causes you to be born again, that causes this living, abiding word that causes life in you is the word that was preached to you, the living word of God that was preached to you. And what was it that was preached? I told you last week, good readers ask questions. So we need to ask, okay, Peter, what, what was it that was preached? What, what is the good news that, you, that was preached about that caused such a radical change in, in the person? We'll go back up just a few verses 
to verse 18. Peter says, um, knowing that you were ransomed from feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers. So remember when um, we read in Psalms, David said, I was conceived in iniquity, right? So inherited, a feudal ways, inherited from our forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You were ransomed from those things but with precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him, through Jesus Christ, are believers in God, who raised him, God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The word that was preached, that Peter says brings new life, is Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ glorified. Do you see that? All right. The thing is, there is is, and there can be no other gospel. There is no other good news. There's no other way. Right? Right? In fact, any other thing that calls itself good news, any other thing that sounds like good news, is absolutely bankrupt of goodness when compared to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul warned us in Galatians chapter 1. He said, there is no other gospel. Acts 4.12 says, and there is no salvation, or there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we are brought forth, new birth, by the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, though I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's one of those pillar verses, right? It just stands and it holds so much else up with it. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So why, why am I spending so much time on this, this one thing today, this, this word that brings forth, the word of truth? It's because that's how souls are saved, Amen. Amen. by the word of truth. Amen. That's how disciples are made, by the word of truth. Saving faith happens by the word. And the thing about words is, They are spoken, right? What does Paul say about how saving faith comes? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So it's not just hearing any old thing. It's hearing the word of Christ. Hearing the word of Christ. That's how faith comes. But you can't, you can't listen to motivational speakers. You can't listen to self-help gurus or be your authentic self kind of garbage on TikTok and expect to get it. Amen. And while I'm on that subject, let me just di- diverge just a minute and uh, say this thing about authenticity and the true self. God never called anyone to be your authentic self. He calls us to conform to His will in the image of His Son, to the glory of His name. 
If you're born again, and I mean really born again, I'm not talking about if you checked a box on a card or you raised your hand someday when they gave an altar call. I mean that Christ is your Lord and you love him and you worship him and you cherish him and you live to be like him. If you are born again, then this is your authentic self. Being like him is your authentic self. Because that's who you will be in eternity, gloriously enthralled with Christ forever. Just just gaga for him. Just wow. There he goes again. Just, just tell me the story one more time. Just open your mouth. I just want to hear you talk. Do you remember Mary and Martha? She has chosen the better part. She sat just to listen. We will have the better part for eternity. We will just be enthralled with that is your authentic self. That's your eternal self. So away with all this, you know, you do you and, and I got to be me kind of hogwash because that's a recipe for disaster, especially when the you that you're trying to be is, uh, you know, selfish, narcissistic, idolatrous, um, adulterous, immoral, unrighteous, deceitful. That's just a recipe for disaster. You know, Paul didn't pull any punches when he talked about this. He said, look at guys, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be like Christ. So, so why don't you follow me? And be like Christ. That, that's who you are. You, you want to be authentically like Christ. So forget this, you know, authentic self mess. We want to be authentically Christ-like. Amen. So enough for that diversion. Let's get back to Romans. Faith comes through hearing, right? And hearing, it's not just any hearing. It's hearing that comes through the word of Christ. So just a few verses before this, in verse 14, Paul, he's laying out the case. And he says, for everyone who calls, verse 13... On the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The answer is they can't. So then, verse 17, faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. They won't know. Unless we give them the word. Amen. Hebrews 13.5 tells us that through him, then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So the fruit of lips, the, the words that come out of our mouth continually are to be praises to God. Now, we've entered into the Easter season, which, which means that we're coming up on, on Pentecost just a few weeks away. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you remember, everyone was listening and they heard the disciples who were in the upper room prophesying and speaking in tongues. And the Bible says that they heard them proclaiming the wondrous works of God. That's what they were offering up a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. They proclaim the good news. They blessed the Lord. And that's the reason for doing that is because that's what born-again, spirit-filled people do. They proclaim the wondrous works of the Lord. They bless the Lord at all times. His praise is continually in their mouth. 
They tell the good news of Jesus, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ glorified. The word of truth brings forth new life. Do you, you remember Matthew 28? We spent so much time on the Great Commission. Matthew 28. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Go to every nation making disciples. Teaching them. How do we teach? We speak it. The Bible said it, it pleases God that through the foolishness of preaching, men believe. There's a miracle that happens when you proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a heart that is receptive. I feel like I'm shotgunning it today, and I'm sorry about that, but do you, you remember the parable of the sower? And there were all these different kinds of soil that the seed fell upon. The seed, the Bible says, is the word of God. Where did the sower sow the seed? Was he discriminate about it? Man, I just got the word of God and the praise of God and the glory of God on his lips all the time. Amen. To God be the glory. I'm not, I don't care if you're, if you're not Christian. I don't care if you have different political views than I do. God be praised. Amen. God be praised. Amen. Away with embarrassed Christians. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of it. Quit holding your head down and being embarrassed by the full, completed, redemptive work of Jesus Christ in your life. Speak the word and people will be saved. We are brought forth by the word of truth, the word that saves. In church, as Christians, there are so many people. You know, I was talking, I had a breakfast with a bunch of pastors yesterday. And uh, it was good. You know, I got to meet a bunch of people I don't know. I uh, sat at a table with the, the, the Catholic uh, priest over there. Um, and, you know, we didn't talk doctrine or anything like that, which was good because I didn't want to get in hot water. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> I, di- I didn't, I didn't want to have conflict. That's what I, but the conversation never went there. So that's, you know, I was happy about that. But um, we were talking about, you know, people... In Paris, Texas, Paris, Texas has, I want to say something like 168 churches in this town. It is insane the number of churches that we have for the number of people that are lost. Isn't that insane? And, and if you look at church growth numbers and, and how churches grow, if one church grows, you will almost inevitably see another church decline. And so what does that tell us? We're not making new converts. We're, we're, just, we're just swapping people around. We'll just shuffle them around from one church to the next. So we're not growing the kingdom of God in the city of Paris. Why is that? We're, we're embarrassed. His praise is not continually in our lips. If it were, they'd have to ask, what's going on with you? If it were, they'd be a little uncomfortable around you. And thank God for that. The Word of God is convicting. And thank God for that. There's no condemnation, but thank God for conviction. All that to say, James says, that we are brought forth 
by the word of truth, making us a kind of first fruits. We're, we're, we're made brothers with Christ by the word. It's important that he says the, the word. It's not, not like, okay, here, here's your Bible, just read that. and Not, not here's a social media meme. I mean, it, it's us saying, hey, have you met this guy? Let me tell you about my Lord. Every good and perfect gift. Do you remember we just covered that? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. I'm going to cut it off right there. Say the word. Preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let him be ever on your lips. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for your word. I thank you for these precious people, Lord, that, that you allow together. Thank you for this family that you have given us in, in Christ. You said that uh, no one will leave father or mother or brother or sister uh, for Christ who will not be granted a hundred times more. And Father, I, I have so many more fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in your name. And I thank you for it. And we can all uh, thank you for it. Lord, help us to go forth from this place not ashamed. Help us to go forth from this place knowing that on our very lips is the power of God unto salvation, the wonderful works of God, the word of truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ glorified, so that we may reign with him together one day. Father, help us. Give us boldness to preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.